have you ever wondered what Enneagram types work best together? This is a question that sometimes will come up during workshops that I'll do, sometimes on podcast interviews. And so I thought, let's get into this in a little bit more detail in this week's episode. And to help us do this, I'm actually going to pull a clip from an episode in our podcast library. Um, Today, you're going to hear a clip that I did with Nathan Parcells. He is a former founder turned executive coach who now really specializes in co-founder communication. And the Enneagram is one of many tools um, on his tool belt that he works with his clients on. Um, But this episode um, was a full episode, episode 82, by the way, if you want to listen to the full version. We get into executive coaching, what it is, what it isn't. Um, He identifies as a type four. So we also talk about what, you know, a type four leader looks like, um, things that we might get wrong about our type four coworkers. So the whole interview is very interesting and helpful and insightful. Um, But this clip that you're going to hear today really zooms in on the conversation we had with specific type matchups. And he's obviously with his work where we use the word co-founder. Um, however, you can replace it with coworker and it's still going to be just as relevant and interesting. Um, even if you don't identify with either of the matchups, maybe you'll learn something about people that you're leading, people that you're working next to. And so we look at three specific matchups in this clip, the type three and the type eight working dynamic. We also look at the type eight and the type nine working dynamic. And then you're going to hear about the type one and type three and which each pairing, we look at what are some synergies? What are the strengths of this relationship that can benefit each other, that can benefit the team, benefit the organization? And then what are some maybe some common roadblocks that come up based on what we know about the, the you know, this kind of the stereotypical behavior and what motivates each of the different types. And so feel free to share this one. It's a short clip. So this could be a good uh, episode to share with your coworkers, with your manager, um, with anyone that you think might be uh, helped by this episode. So um looking forward to having you listen to this one today. And if there are additional pairings that you would like to hear about in a future episode, reach out over on LinkedIn. I'm I'm Sarah Wallace or Enneagram MBA over there and Enneagram MBA over on Instagram and send me a message and and let me know what pairings might be helpful to uh, dig into a little bit more on a future episode. So with that, um, enjoy this conversation with Nathan Parcells. You're listening to the Enneagram MBA podcast, a show about understanding people at work, including yourself. I'm your host, Sarah Wallace, and I'm looking forward to diving into this week's episode with you. Curious. So you have worked with all kinds of different founders. And we had talked as we were kind of preparing for this conversation about some different dynamics that, again, not all, not always 100% of the time, um, but maybe have some some tendencies based on some some common challenges based on the type. And one of those matchups was the type Hmm. eight and the type uh, three, which 
in the work that I do as well, tend to be some of the most common types in the corporate leadership roles. So it's no surprise that you would have a type three and type eight co-founding pair. Um, What are some strengths maybe of that dynamic? And then maybe what are some possible challenges that they might encounter? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Eights, threes, sevens, ones all tend to show up a a bunch and I've, but I have worked with founders and CEOs of pretty much all types. Um, and yeah, the eight and the three in is an interesting dynamic. I think, yeah, it's so insightful. I mean, I love getting to get part of the secret of being a coach is you learn so much about, um, different relationships and different people on yourself. Um, and eight, you know, being a challenger type and being highly direct and comfortable, you know, just saying most specifically and sort of objectively, oftentimes, here's my thought. There, there tend to be just being a gut-based type tend to kind of put things forward very quickly. Um, threes being oftentimes, you know, both um, active and extroverted and communicative, but also more aware of being liked in their dynamics with others. So sometimes eights can be um, pushing a lot. And then as a three, that challenging back um, to push back is a little bit uncomfortable because there's that for many, a fear of not being liked. And so oftentimes I'll see that struggle of like getting that muscle built um, on the three side of how to push back. And sometimes it, it takes time because um, you know, that what might be uncomfortable for the three is not very uncomfortable for the eight. So right. it really takes that um, timeline and work to build the muscle up such that there's some parity there and that there's healthy um, boundaries being set between the two. Yeah. Oh, I, I can absolutely see that. Um, and I'm curious too, you know, the, the stereotype for them both along with the sevens being in that assertive stance is that they're very future focused, going far, going fast, which I could see being a tremendous quality in, in that leadership entrepreneur space. Um, but what could be like, what might be missing that they will have to intentionally incorporate into a dynamic or a duo like that? Yeah. I mean, I think something that can happen, you know, under stress, that active side can be um, challenging. I mean, all partnerships under stress, um, you know, you have to be hopefully have done a lot of work in advance so that you can handle those stressful moments. And when more negative patterns of each type comes out, you know, having the capacity to understand and take those in. But um, with a three under stress, oftentimes sort of feel, uh, fearing failure and um, starting to become a little bit more overwhelmed uh, is something that can happen. And eights uh, will oftentimes, the eight leaders I work with oftentimes will sort of be doing more um, driving and micromanaging and controlling. And so that can really just add to the overwhelm. So that dynamic is one that could be hard because you don't have anyone who's really there to say, let's pause, let's reflect, let's make a plan. And that's sort of what the the three leader most often needs is kind of getting back to a place of a plan. Such great insight. Okay. 
Um, let's take the eight again and then mm. pair it with one of on the surface can look like the complete opposite in the nine. Totally. Um, what do you like? What is that dynamic like in your experience? Yeah, this is a duo. Um, you know, I've worked with for a while now, and it was a really interesting combination because, as you mentioned, there's um, in some ways quite different in um, body energy and sort of how one shows up. And yeah, nines, you know, again, I'm generalizing here, right. folks know, but there's a sort of what an arm's distance um, approach. How do I um, not overcommit to too much um, so that that peace um, making uh, or peace seeking side can be satisfied, not wanting to let too much in, compartmentalizing, sort of guarding against too much coming their way at once. And the eight sort of liking movement, action, activity. And so that push-pull almost uh, is something that can show up, which can be triggering um, for both, you know, the eight feeling, the eight leader being like, I want to go, I want to move, I want to do. And the nine being like, I want to manage how much comes in at once. And so it's an interesting uh, combo that that can operate in that way. Yeah, yeah, and at the, at the same time, I can see that being like such a great pairing when they both have that level of awareness because it's like let's go with the eight, but then like let's pause, let's see, let's look at the situation from all the sides. Totally. Yeah, it's it really is. I think in the co-founder setting so much about awareness because it's first the individual awareness and then being able to like say those things succinctly to the group where you can have those aha moments of, Oh, that's why we do this. Sometimes fall into this pattern that is upsetting or frustrating. And there's, yeah, this duo that I work with had some breakthroughs in that manner where I was realizing their differences in how they each like to communicate and then finding some behavior shifts, sometimes just small ones of like, oh, if I, as a nine, sort of am too, um, trying to kind of say too many different things or too, um, not direct enough, like, hey, if you want, maybe we could do this or maybe we could do that. And, you know, the eight leader being like, this is really, what do you want? Very frustrating. And just a little shift of like, here's what I think, what do you think? And sort of be more comfortable with that from the nine huge, you know, it doesn't fix everything, but it does make a really big, um, yeah, uh, sort of dialing down the, the temperature in those, those key moments. Oh, such a great way to say that. Yeah. People are always, one of the questions like after, like, how do I find my type is how do I use this information? And I mean, there's so many examples, but that's just a great run right there. Just a little shifts can like how much frustration and miscommunication can, go away when you understand that about yourself and whoever it is that you're working with. Yeah. I mean, also just in terms of how to use it, you know, I think it is quite difficult without great coaching and support to be quite as proactive as one might like, because so much of it comes down to those taking the complexity of that awareness of, Oh, I do prefer peace. I do prefer then not having too much show up at once, but, knowing all that and knowing how to manage the discomfort of mm. then choosing to say something more direct, which a nine might fear will create lack of peace, but 
um, in actuality, something that their co-founder recommended, hey, I prefer this. So it takes a little bit of that, someone to observe and help highlight that option. Um, uh, I think certainly you can learn those tactics um, on one's own, but in, like especially in a partnership, it's much harder because there's so many more dynamics at play um, to really see it all um, and, and make those shifts. Um, okay, last kind of matchup that sure. we had talked about going through was the type one and type three, which for me um, tends to be one that sometimes people struggle with, like am I a three yeah. or am I a one? So there are a lot of similarities mm. here. Totally. And yeah, that is an interesting, thank you for noting that, an interesting element that there's similarities in a, sort of a, per, a performance orientation, doing things either right or well um, yes. and successfully. And yet the, I found that this is definitely a combo that can have a lot of tension. You know, obviously all types can get along very well if they're operating at higher levels of consciousness and aware of their patterns and, and doing all those things. But um, I worked with one pair where this was a very challenging dynamic because the three being more, um, you know, willing to do what it takes to succeed and therefore open to efficient approaches and corner cutting in some cases, as they say in the startup world, 80, 20 different projects. So doing just the 80 percent uh, of the work needed to kind of get the highest impact. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas the one very much was, and in this case, the three was very much like, okay, what does the customer need? I want to close the sale. So like just doing only what's necessary Whereas the one was like, okay, I have this project timeline that I've mapped out. That's really perfect. And um, we need to hit these dates. And then if something changed, it was very frustrating um, because they had spent a lot of energy um, crafting a clear, right, perfect timeline. And so those differences, becoming aware of them and why they're there helped, but it was still a very challenging dynamic for each of them to, uh, to deal with. Yeah. And then how, how difficult was it maybe in that specific situation or, or, um, I guess, what was the aha maybe for them that came out of like, oh, this person wants to always do it perfect and this person yeah. is okay or I'm okay with cutting corners. Like how, how do we compromise or what, what came from that one just as an example? Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes it's easy. I know always to go to solutions. And so sometimes there are those mm. behavior shifts as I was talking about in the other dynamic that were helpful for them. But again, I always do go back to the starting with awareness. And I think as they understood each other's perspectives more and really got what was creating the th the behaviors like, you know, if the three want to change the plan a bit to do what they intuitively knew the customer would like and therefore would be good for sales. Um, but if that was annoying for the one, um, but just that awareness of, oh, this is how this person operates. It's actually helpful in these ways, mm. I think, allowed it to be less painful. So that was kind of the aha was just getting that real clear understanding of their differences. 
Yeah. And I love what you said, less painful, because I always like to remind myself as well in my own Enneagram journey and then others um, that this doesn't mean you'll never have conflict again. It just means like maybe it'll be like less painful conflict or it'll last shorter. Amount yes, of time. So nice to do that. Yes. Um, well, for anyone who is interested in the workshops, learning about your co-founder coaching, um, following along with your content, where is the best place to connect with you and, and learn from you? Yeah. In terms of just connecting with me uh, on LinkedIn is a place that um, I'm active and just kind of share updates. Uh, so Nathan Parcells on LinkedIn. Um, if people want to email me with any questions, if they're a co-founder or creator and want to do some of that work, feel free to reach out. Uh, my website's sharpend.co. And then lastly, the retreats. They're usually Bay Area based. And okay. Protean, if you can spell that, then you, you're there. Uh, Protean.group uh, is the name of the website. Or just email me and I'll I'll share it with you. Okay. And then Nathan's last name is Parcells, P-A-R-C-E-L-L-S. So just thank you. Yes. Nailed it. Clarify that. Um, well, Nathan, this has been a really good conversation. I feel like yeah. I, I still have so many more questions just about Enneagram type four. So we'll, we'll call this episode complete for the time being. Um, I appreciate all that you shared. Please get connected with Nathan. Let him know what you're taking away from this episode. He shared so many things, um, especially if you are a co-founder or thinking about co-founding up, like you said, a podcast, a business, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share about self-awareness, leadership, Mm co-founding type four energy, um, before we do call this episode complete? One little one that I'll just kick off with that um, is that to make when you find areas that you're really working on to set them as six to 12 month, you know, improvement areas, don't feel that pressure to, oh, if I'm trying to learn to be more direct in my communication and that's hard for you, you know, life is long. And so if you make incremental improvements over the course of six to 12 months, you'll get that inflection that comes from doing that work. And so I think having that length of time can sometimes be helpful because sometimes we think we need to change X, Y, Z right away. Um, so that that's one that I've learned to be quite helpful for my own work. So it doesn't feel so pressure, like such a pressure cooker. Yes, that is such a powerful reminder or just perspective as you grow, incorporate the Enneagram, whatever self-awareness tools that you're using, um, that it is not overnight. If it was, we would just all just be reading books and just be perfect the next day. So, um, well, that's such a great way to end, Nathan. I appreciate you. I'm so glad that we got connected and I'm excited for our listeners to uh, hear this one as well and, and learn from you as well. Thank you so much. And thank you for hosting me. I've enjoyed your questions, your seven energy and this whole process and all the work that you do. So really appreciating that. So thank you, Sarah. You are so welcome. It was a fun one. Thanks, Nathan. When I'm not planning for the next episode or getting to interview the next podcast guest, I'm probably out doing an Enneagram team training or a group workshop experience because while Enneagram MBA is a podcast, it is also a team training company, which means 
whether you have a team of four or 40 or are planning an event for 400 people, there is an experience that is waiting to be created just for you and your team or organization or event. And I'm going to invite you to start that process over at EnneagramMBA.com where you'll be able to check out some of the initial ideas and options, and then reach out to get in touch to start planning your own.